Hey everyone, thanks for joining us today on our Beyond the Pew podcast, and uh, we're glad you're with us today. Eric, glad you're here too. Oh, it is a pleasure, man. I'm so excited. It's sunny out. Yes. Great day. Yes. Finally, we're transitioning yes. into that summer weather. Don't say that. Don't say that yet. Don't if that means that something, yet. but here we are, you know? We are uh, excited. We welcome the sun. I'm sure you welcome the sun as well. S-U-N and S-O-N. Um, and S-O-N too. Yes, amen. And the S-O-N. So... Um, I covered uh, something um, this past week in my own personal kind of uh, exploring mm. following Mother's Day because something happened on Mother's Day evening that really intrigued the social, the social media world. Yeah, and you, some of you out there probably saw it or yes. at least heard about yes. it, right? And I'm going to get to that in just one second, but yeah. I want to – I have a point to this. Um, let me ask you a question. I want to get your opinion on something. What do you think – um, was the most money that has ever been spent on sports tickets for like a sporting event? So the most, like, like the most, recent, the re- most ever, like ever. in the history of sports events. What do you think <laughs> would be the most expensive ticket for a sporting event? Now, if this is like, if I was answering this on my, for myself, it would be twenty five bucks. Twenty five. You've never spent more than twenty five dollars. I have never spent more than twenty five bucks. It is one hundred percent true. You've never spent more than twenty five dollars. Where, on a where would I spend more than twenty five? I don't know. I mean, you go to. Have you been to a baseball game? Have you I have. To... I go for the cheapest one. Really? <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Well, unless it's given. Yeah. A football so, game. Ever been to a football? I have game? never been to a football game. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm yeah. not asking you. Yeah. Exactly. What so, do you think is the most? Expensive? I think that the most expensive one that someone will probably spend it has to be somewhere in the thousands. Uh, that's my assumption. Well, what does that mean? Because thousands could be <laughs> a thousand, five hundred thousand, nine hundred. And what's what do you mean thousands? I will put it at you know eight thousand. Okay, eight thousand dollars. So yeah, as you think about a sporting event, you think the highest price ticket would be eight thousand dollars for a sporting event? Yeah, I mean in the I, history of mankind. I mean at that point, okay, a million dollars, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Okay, that is the number. Okay, let me throw some numbers <laughs> out to you because I and there's a point to this. I, I okay. researched this. <laughs> Um, in 2017, the Conor McGregor Floyd Mayweather fight. Okay. Okay. For ringside tickets, people paid $145,200. No, they didn't. For, for ringside tickets. hundred. And by the way, Eric has not heard these numbers till right now. So that reaction was genuine. The, the, no, they did it was genuine because you have not heard this number. That was in 2017. In 2010, the Lakers versus the Celtics game seven finals. Courtside tickets went for $151,800 a piece. Like, like, okay, calm down. Hold on a second. <laughs> in 2013, for the NFL Super Bowl, which was between the Ravens and the Niners, tickets went for as much as $175,000 a piece. Now, these numbers are according to GQ.com, by the way. So you can, if, if you're like, there's no way, talk to GQ because they're the ones yeah. who put these out here. But, now, let me ask you before you continue. That's like, not like, the highest. That's not the highest. The highest. For all of us Indians, Cleveland Indians fans, was the 2016 World Series in Cleveland against the Chicago Cubs. Pretty significant game, Game 7, because the Cubs and Indians, as you know, they had not won a World Series. And, and, yeah. yeah, so it, it was a huge game. Game 7, the average ticket price was ridiculous. It was like $6,000 a piece, oh something like that. But the best seats in the house, according to GQ.com, what do you think the best seats in the house went for? <laughs> well, if it's more, if you said this is this is number one overall. Number two overall was the Super Bowl 2013, 175 thousand dollars. What do you think the best seats in the house went for in the Major League Baseball World Series 2016? 200k. Final answer. 
Am I getting graded? <laughs> no, the best, Final answer, I guess. According, again, don't anybody get mad at me if you're like, there's no way. This is according to GQ.com, okay? This is, and I'm not, I'm not, by the way, encouraging anybody to go to GQ.com and like, like GQ.com because I don't know what all content's on their website. Probably some of it is stuff that we shouldn't like. But this is just according to them. a lot of money in there. Okay? Very reputable site. The highest tickets, <laughs> the best seats in the house for the 2000. 16 World Series were $1.54 million a piece. <laughs> that, that, $1.54 million a piece for tickets. Listen, if I am paying a million dollars for a game, I better be sitting by the umpire. No, it doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter. It don't, ma- never... Imagine you going to your wife and being, hey, show, like, nope. you know, uh, today nope. is the World Series. 1.5 I'm going to drop a million dollars. $1.5 million. That's what GQ is, 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 is saying. There's no way. That's what they're saying. Okay, listen. So Call UQ. All that, all that to say this. Um, on Mother's Day, okay, on Mother's Day evening, the NBA playoffs were going on, and I know some people, you know, boycott the NBA and they're not watching. But listen, the NBA playoffs were going on at the Wells Fargo Center in Philadelphia. Philly. And it was a really important game. It was game four. The Miami Heat were up two games to one on the Philadelphia 76ers on Mother's Day. And during the end of the third quarter, there was a, a – image that went viral over over this past weekend of a man that was a 76ers fan seated front row in Philly. Very front row. 17.4 seconds left in the third quarter. The score was 89-85. It's a big game. A four-point game. Philly's up by four, down by one in the series, and this guy is just zonked out. Like, there's a picture (laughs) that circulated on the internet. People saw it. The video's there. And this, my man was in a 76ers shirt, front court, like, First row. Out. He's gone. Out. It, yeah. Out on the camera. And uh, I looked. I was curious. What would that guy have paid for front row seats? Okay. So I looked it up and just wanted to find out what would row one go for in Philadelphia for this next game coming up? Because uh, they're in Philly. Yeah. Um, and, and so what would, the, what would that seat go for? You know how much seats were going for? How no, much? Nothing in comparison to the most expensive ever. Yeah, I mean, I, but $10, million. $10,000 a seat. This so if this guy paid ten thousand dollars for his seat, and he's asleep, asleep in the front. That row. is the most expensive nap I've ever that, heard in my incredible. life. That's incredible. Ten thousand dollars to take a nap. Ten thousand dollars. That's incredible, right? Yeah. So I was curious. I followed up with this. Okay, I did did some digging <laughs> because this is the way my mind works. Yeah. And the guy's name's David. I won't I won't like throw him out there. He's already everybody knows who he is now. But yeah, he's a a car dealership owner. He owns a car dealership. He's actually a partner with the with the Seventy Sixers in some way. They interviewed him. Okay, they found him, they interviewed him to ask him about his sleeping during this pivotal moment in this playoff game. And he said, uh, they said, what happened? And he said, I just took a cat nap, is what he a said. A cat nap. Okay? But here's what I found really interesting, and here's the point, here's why I'm sharing all this, because yeah. he said something that I thought was really interesting, because even as we've talked about in this podcast, our desire for the believer in Christ is to, to, to think on and consider what is our life like beyond the pew when we're yeah. outside the church. This is a quote from him in this Mm. interview. He said this. He said, it was one moment in time, but that moment was captured by the whole world. Yeah. I just fell asleep. Just one moment. One moment. He said, it was one moment in time, but that moment was captured by the whole world. I just fell asleep. But that's crazy, Bruce, because that's all that it takes. Just one moment. Yeah. I mean, that's immediately what I thought. When I heard that, I thought, you got to be kidding me. And I thought that's an incredible illustration, right, for us as believers, how we can can be on our guard, we can be focused, we can be serving Christ, and, and 
we can sometimes find ourselves as believers with just like, you know what? It's okay for me to put my guard down just yeah. just for a minute. Just for a minute. Just for a yeah. moment, right? It's, isn't it interesting, though, like when you find yourself in that position where you know exactly what you need to do, but you have that internal argument within you yeah. where you're telling yourself, you know, it's okay. It's just one moment. It's yes. one second. Yes. It's one slip. It's it's not going to change everything else. Like yes. it's not going to affect me, right? Absolutely. It's just one moment. Absolutely. And, and I think sometimes, you know, I immediately think of First Peter 5.8. Mm-hmm. Where Peter's writing and he's he's giving instruction, he's giving a warning to the believer, and he says this in First Peter five eight: "Be sober minded, hmm. be watchful." So there's this idea of of being on our guard, being sober minded, being th- thinking and clear and and alert. He says, "Your adversary, the devil, prowls around hmm. like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour." Yeah, and then he goes on to say, "Resist him," but. But it's interesting because as a believer in Christ, we have to constantly be on our guard. We have to constantly be sober-minded, watchful, because we have an enemy that wants to devour yeah, us. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think it's interesting because, you know, have you ever been on a diet before? Oh, yeah. Like... <laughs> a whole life. I, I feel like that's the, the, the constant, right? <laughs> yeah. It's just constant. I'm on a diet. I'm watching what I'm eating. I'm trying yeah. to exercise. But you know how it is that if you do really well, like you do a week straight of eating nothing but healthy food, there's this desire to be like, almost reward yourself. Yeah. Don't you ever feel that way? Oh yeah. You want to justify yourself. You'd you'd say, hey, I've done a whole week of eating good. That's right. Yeah. An ice cream won't bother me. Yes. Won't hurt me. Yeah. I saw this this thing online today where uh, this guy was, um, it was like a video mashup of him being at the gym and he was running on the treadmill. He's like, I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to lose weight. And then it showed him at home on the couch surrounded by junk food. And he's just like stuffing his face. And he's like, what's not working? Right. And it's this (laughs) idea that like you're rewarding yourself for something you're doing. And so you're just going to take some time off and relax. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, our bodies sometimes need that as far as physically, but the danger is when spiritually speaking in our walk with Christ, we have the mentality of, I've I've earned or rewarded myself with something that is not okay. Yeah. Right. And and that's a dangerous thing yeah, to do. Absolutely. And and it's what I thought of when I thought of this guy. Yeah. No, absolutely. And, and to follow that thought, I think about the the, the church in, in in Corinth, right? Yeah. You, you, it, there's not a I, I would say a, maybe it's the, the most uh, the the church that ha- that we can relate the most with in our yeah. current culture as far as like in the Bible because their culture was just as wicked as crazy as our culture is. And I love the book of First Corinthians because Paul is addressing the believers there and he's talking to them about all these cultural issues that were, uh, that were affecting the believers there. You think about uh, them, love. You know, when you go to a wedding, they always talk about First uh, Corinthians and the chapter of love, sure. right? Uh, because they had a misunderstanding of what love truly is. Uh, you talk about, like, like what is right, what is not sexually moral, not sexually moral, and all of these different things that were so important for them to understand. And, and he's writing, writing this letter. And look how he ends his letter in First Corinthians uh 15, uh, he says at the very end of 1 Corinthians 15, chapter 15, he says, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. This idea, listen, like the world, the culture around you is crazy. There's a lot of things that you can justify of doing. Those moments where you can say, hey, it's okay for me to have a little yep. slip. It's okay for me to have a, a little bit of ice cream, you know, spiritually speaking, right? Uh, and yet we see here how Paul ends this letter by reminding them, hey, stay fast. Yep. Don't give way. Stay firm, immovable, 
you know, in the work of God who's doing in your life. Because, yeah. and I love how he ends it, you know, knowing that what you're doing for the Lord is not in vain. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. No, I mean, that's a huge encouragement. It's a huge challenge. It's interesting, too, because when you see this instruction in God's Word, it reminds us that this is something that the believer in Christ, the one who believed and had faith in God, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, this was an area they needed encouragement for, they needed to be challenged in, mm -hmm. and they needed instruction in. I love what Psalm 1 says, and a lot of people are familiar with Psalm 1, but listen to what it talks about here. Uh, it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. And this is what really struck me. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and mm. night. I mean, that, that idea of meditating on the law of the Lord yeah. day and night, day after day, morning, evening, all the time is this constant kind of thinking and processing on the things of the Lord, on the Word of God. Yeah. And then in Psalm 1, if you get a chance to read through the whole psalm, the psalmist is going to go on to talk about how the one that does meditate upon the law of the Lord day and night is like a tree, like a healthy tree planted by rivers of water who brings forth fruit. Yeah. And, and that's the, the life of the believer as well, yeah. as we are meditating on God's Word and following God's Word. And, and I feel like it's so important because as we talk about this whole beyond the pew, outside yeah. the walls of the church, it it's sometimes is, is, a, is a struggle and a battle because the Bible tells us that's what we're engaged in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and every moment you know, yeah. matters yeah. When, when we're engaged well, in that. Well, I think there's, uh, back to that guy taking a nap, I, I feel like if he would have been more understanding and more uh, aware of the fact that he was sitting in the very front row, so chances are that he was going to get recorded, sure. he would probably would have tried his best, right? Yeah. To not fall asleep, taking a ten thousand dollar nap in yes, front of the whole 10, world. Yes, ten thousand dollar nap right. in front of the whole world. But uh, but here's what I think about it. It's interesting about the New Testament because in the New Testament you have the apostles, the disciples, and all of these individuals that constantly were telling, preaching the news as you know, hey, repent because the kingdom is at hand, or or hey, like the second coming, like be be found ready for when Jesus yeah. come, and all this idea of recognizing that the day of the Lord is coming. Now they yeah. didn't know when that was gonna be. We don't know when that was gonna be, sure. but in the same matter, right? If we were to be more av more more aware and more uh, avid about recognizing that Jesus is coming back, yeah, and that could happen anytime, we will For be sure. more faithful, more passionate, more uh, committed to living a life that brings honor and glory to Him. And one last thought, uh, you know, we end every ser every service on Sunday with. Uh, good morning and Maranatha, not good yeah. morning at Maranatha, you sure, know? Sure. But good morning and Maranatha, and the, 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 the reason why we do that is because we're asking the Lord, you know, Maranatha meaning, oh, Lord, come, right? Yeah. Where it is our desire that the Lord will come. Yeah. And so when you're looking at your life beyond the pew, you want to be found in a way that is worthy of the gospel in a way Absolutely. that is that brings honor and glory to God, which is yeah. huge, you know, when it comes to this idea of standing firm. Yeah, so... A couple, couple of things I took away as far as with the guy courtside and, and paying $10,000 for tickets and his statement, again, just in case you missed it, one moment in time, but that moment was captured by the whole world. Mm -hmm. I just fell asleep. There were a couple of things. First of all, as a pastor, um, you know, I'm not going to get discouraged when people fall asleep in church because yeah. they didn't pay $10,000 for those tickets, <laughs> and it's not an NBA playoff yeah. game that's going on. Uh, people are going to fall yeah. asleep. Let them fall asleep, whatever. <laughs> if this guy's falling asleep... 
There's great encouragement, believe yeah, it or not, yeah. as a pastor, you see that, and you're like, well, if he fell asleep there, I guess I'm okay yeah. if people fall asleep We're in the church. We're not that bad, right? Yeah. But uh, again, I think the reminder of, you know, what are those times or areas of our lives where, spiritually speaking, we're, we're asleep, or spiritually speaking, mm-hmm. our guard is down, and who is capturing that moment? Obviously, the Lord sees that, and the Lord knows that. Yeah. But when we think about testimony for Christ, when we think about the calling that we're ambassadors for Christ, we're Christ witnesses, we are children of God, there's this constant thought that has to be present that we're not living for ourselves, right? It's not so that we can be seen or so that we could increase, but rather that Christ can increase. And so um, that one moment in time captured by the whole world, he said, uh, I just fell asleep. Um, Might that not be true of us? That as believers in Christ, might we always be watchful, sober, vigilant? accurately representing Christ. The, the guy in his interview also said he's a huge fan. He's a committed fan. Like he's a 76ers guy through and through. And yet people were just destroying him online of let's get a real Sixers fan to sit in the front row. If you're going to fall asleep, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And the guy might be like a very dedicated fan, but that moment, but that moment changed yeah. it for, yeah. for him. Right. So I, I think as believers, it's a good reminder for us yeah. uh, to be, to be aware. Um, the other thing I took away from this, and I think this is just a great reminder as, as followers of Christ. Um, if maybe you're watching it and you're like, man, I have, I have failed uh, so many moments where people have seen my life and, and I have failed. Um, you and, and I both in failing, all of us in failing, we are testimonies of the grace of God, right? We are all in need of forgiveness and God's grace. And this is the wonderful truth of scripture that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, right? Jesus said, come to me, um, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, I will give you rest. And so we've all sinned, but there is grace and forgiveness available through Christ. And here's what I love about that story with this guy sitting front row as a 76ers fan. He fell asleep during a very pivotal moment in a very pivotal game. Um, and even though that was the case for him, the Sixers still won that game, 116 to 108. So they still won, even though one of their fans or dedicated individuals there fell asleep. Uh, they still fin- finished that game and won. And the same is true as a believer in Christ. Our God is victorious, right? The victory is ours in Christ. Mm-hmm. We ultimately have victory, yeah. even though along the way sometimes we stumble. Yeah. But let's be found faithful, and, yeah. and let's trust the Lord in that. Yeah, and so two, two practical takeaways is like be watchful, but also if you happen to slip, right, you have the recognition or you have to remind yourself of the fact that that, that the sacrifice of Christ on the cross Yes has given us victory over sin, yes. has given us victory over over death, right? And so just because you're slipped, there's still grace. You can still move out from that. Don't yeah. just stay seated and, you know, justify your means by, by where you're at, right? Yeah. So, you know, take those moment-by-moment moment opportunities moving forward to follow Christ, to honor Christ, and to live for Him so that others can see that you truly follow Him. And may we be found faithful beyond the pew. Yeah, that's right. So let me ask you guys, as, as we wrap up here, what is your life like beyond the pew? Um, I hope you're glorifying Lord Jesus Christ, following Him, uh, committed to Him, and serving Him well. Uh, we'll see you guys next week.